Welcome to the World Cup of Books. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is James Rosewarn from Stats Insider. Welcome to the show, James. Ben, nice to be here. What, a, what an occasion. The <laughs> final of the World Cup of Books, the inaugural World Cup of Books. That's right. We're coming to you live from the grand final, the contest between Moby Dick and Ulysses. Who do you think will win? Well, I, I remember speaking to you at the start of this whole tournament, and I think we both had and had thought that Moby Dick would feature pretty prominently. Um, I don't think at this very start we had Ulysses getting this far, right? Would that be yeah. fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think he was down the down the list a little bit further, Ulysses. But yeah, um, Moby Dick was the favourite coming in. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think early days as well. We'd spoken about Pynchon. We'd spoken about. Lolita. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the whole the whole format has thrown up a whole heap of surprises and it's yeah, it's 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 really worked incredibly to get to this point. Yeah. Well, let's go to a live score check. Yeah. All right, we'll check the score live. There is about 15 minutes to go in the poll. At the moment, Ulysses is on 48.8%. Moby Dick still ahead on 51.3 but we'll check back in there soon. Um, before we continue, I thought I'd just lay out the ground rules of how we came up with this stupid competition, which I've just loved. It's my favourite sport. So the rules of the comp are as follows. So the books were chosen by the guests on the show. We took their top 10 lists. 30 of the most mentioned books were um, mentioned more than once on the show. And we, you and I, both had a captain's pick, didn't we? We did. So who did you choose? I went with Ishiguru's The Unconsoled. Yep. Got matched up against Das Dernjic in the first round, right? Yeah, and got knocked out straight away, didn't? Got knocked out straight away. <laughs> I, I, I did call it the Bram Presser Cup, knowing Bram <laughs> also has strong affections for Kazu as well. That's right. So, yeah. And so in that captain's pick, I chose uh, Helen DeWitt's The Last Samurai, which was really nice because she actually got a little bit involved because I think yeah. I stuck her up against Middlemarch at the beginning and she she was quite offended, I think, uh, because she beat Middlemarch uh, in that first round, which I thought was great. So, um, yeah, that was really fun. And then I also, one of the other things I did was um, because we had Sergio on the show, I decided that uh, a naked singularity needed to be in there. But, again, first round knockout. So, oh, well, tough shit for me. <laughs> But, but with Sergio, was it Sergio that got Virginia Woolf into the field who yeah. then crashed into the semifinals, right? Like that was probably one of the biggest surprises, a late entry that had made it all the way to the semis, knocking That's out right. David Foster Wallace in the quarters as well. Exactly. Which was Unbelievable. a big event. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the other rules that I set up uh, was that you could only have one, one book per author. So for people like Thomas Pinchon and even David Foster Wallace, if people mentioned the Power King or if they inherent vice, then they weren't eligible. So, but those books did count towards their seating. But with that said, Moby Dick came in ahead. Moby Dick was the favorite from day one. But yeah. I thought what we could do is go to the highlight reel and we'll just go back and have a think about um, how the comp ran, Moby Dick's journey in the competition, and uh, have a look at some of the other uh, contenders who surprised us because I think the competition really surprised me because I, the first round I think went as I thought it would. Then from then on, I think I was 
totally surprised by the results. What about you, James? How did you feel? Well, like I'd mentioned to you in, a, in one of the messages in terms of, you know, draw matters, seedings matter in, yeah. in sports and in, in a competition like this as well. So it was incredibly, I thought the, 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 the big highlight of the first round and one of the big themes of the whole tournament was Kafka. Facing. Yeah. It was so very Kafka to <laughs> come up against the whale in the first round <laughs> and leave in that sort of, in, in that manner. Yeah. It had to happen like that. There was no way he was ever going to win, yeah. you know, or even really progress through the tournament. <laughs> um, it was just, I thought that was a, a brilliant way to start the whole journey yeah. um, in those circumstances, which is such a shame because in any, like, we're, you know, when when we do this next year and, and I'm sure Kafka's going to get a World Cup of books. It's yeah. going to happen within, you know, soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. I thought some of the commentary around, uh, Kafka getting beaten uh, in the trial <laughs> by 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 a whale um, who may or may not have been, you know, the person who was uh, actually the person persecuting the character in the trial. I think that's a really interesting concept. I like that. Exactly. It, was, it played out so poetically. I yeah. Thought. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Moby Dick. Um, his journey through the competition. I'm going to say his because it's just easier to say his. Yeah, we're we're talking about these books as people, and uh, I think it's just fun to to call them, um, you know, by him or her, uh, despite any gender issues. If anybody wants to write in and complain about the gender issues that Moby Dick has, please do. Um, but the whale came in as a top seed. He hasn't disappointed. Round one, he faced off against the trial. Uh, as you know, it was pretty tough. Then round two, he came up against Jane Eyre. Again, knocked her over, like absolutely like smashed her. In the quarters, uh, he got up against Jorge's and this was something I thought was going to be, I thought he would kill Jorge's, but it was pretty close. Pretty Jorge's close. was one of the, the stories of, of the tournament as well. Yeah. We'll, we'll, touch, we'll go back to him a little bit later, but there's yeah. a lot of storylines with, with Jorge's in this, especially yeah. with what he did to Rushdie in his own round, which was That's right. the most emphatic result we had for any <laughs> That's right. He did. He smashed it. There are a lot of really passionate Hoyas fans out there. So in the semifinal, uh, Moby Dick put up a really great fight, but Lolita was a great contender. Lolita yeah. really took it to him. And uh, Moby Dick came out 70-30, I think, in the end, and he booked his place in the grand final. Yeah, I think just... Touching on Nabokov just while we're here, I think like Kafka, it's a matter of time before he's crowned a World Cup of Books champion. Yeah. I think you and I, he he seemed to have been mentioned so much early days with most of the guests. Yeah. Um, I know your absolute love of him as well. Yeah. Um, So it was semi seems like a fair result, but he could have easily won it or been in the final. Yeah. I think one of the things that that came out of this competition is is looking at authors by single books or looking at their Mm. whole their whole career. And I think that interestingly, we'll probably touch on this as well, but Moby Dick versus James Joyce in the final, I think is, is kind of interesting because Melville at the end of the day, he's known for Moby Dick and his other work is, is okay. Um, you know, there's Bartleby the Scrivener, but like people don't really talk about his other work as much. Um, on the other hand, like Joyce, you know, you've got Finnegan's Wake, you've got Dubliners, you've got, portrait of the artist of a young man you've got quite a lot of work there and it's all pretty well regarded so it's interesting looking at those two two sides of the coin 
and the lineage is a little bit like more fresh with Joyce, right? Like there wasn't a time where he went missing, let's say for half a century or a century, which was pretty much Melville's case, right? Yeah. And, you know, the kind of a resurrection of mm. his work sort of post-war around that period. That's right. Um, whereas the links to Joyce are really profound within so many modernist writers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's important to talk about the singular work, but as a whole, the whole breadth of what they're offering on, on numerous levels sort yeah. of came into play as well. All right. Let's go back to the centre court and check our scores. <laughs> All right. The score remains 48.8 Ulysses, 51.3 to Moby Dick. We'll check back in shortly. Let's get back to some of the stats and facts around uh, Moby Dick. I know you've got quite a few stats you brought into the comp. What have you got for us? Well, I, I sort of had a look at it from, a, you know, that holistic thing about the whole competition, you know, what was what were the composition of the, the works that made the finals, you know, whether it was from a gender perspective, whether it was from a geographical perspective, the, the, the tone of the books themselves. We had such a strong theme coming through in this particular World Cup of big, unruly books, right? Like, you know, big tomes that are sometimes often impenetrable for a lot of readers, um, that, that came through strongly. Um, geographically, there's a lot to speak of as well. Like, so in, we, there wasn't a representation of poems, short story collections didn't come through. I guess Borges is the, the exception here. These were some of the strongest themes that came through. Prize winners as well, which didn't probably surprise me, but, you know, understandably a lot of people, sh you know, shy away from some of those big awards and even would they be Nobel Prizes or whatever it is. We had very little representation from the big awards, which I think was a really cool thing as well, right? Um, and certainly Melville before his time, these kind of awards weren't even there. Yeah. Um, and Joyce, I think, was eligible for a Nobel Prize in that, what, the first decade of the 20th century. Mm. Missed out. So, yeah, I think, you know, we can we can talk about a lot of that aspect. There was a very strong North American theme push throughout. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of these writers were linked directly to him as well. So I thought that was a that was a really interesting feature of of the draw. I find it interesting as well that uh, with Moby Dick, that book I think sold hardly any copies while he was still alive. And then, yeah, as you said before, you know, early uh, you know twentieth century, he uh, yeah just became this great American novelist after he was quite dead. Well, the whole theme, didn't it? Like that, that sort of became a chase. The chase was on mm. to refine the great American novel as well. That's become such a, a thing that exists, particularly in America, right? I, I think that's an, an obsession that exists stronger there than, than anywhere else. Yeah. And this comes a lot, you know, up in, in Roth as, a, as an example, or even, which I thought was really cool, David, David Keener was the one person to mention him and, and a massive admirer of Melville was, was Paul Oster as well. Yeah, sort of came, came through as well. So I thought that was that was interesting. There were so many other themes I thought that did come out. We can get to that in a second in terms of the the sort of passion that would come through through the voting process. And we <laughs> saw that in the final erupt as well, yeah. which again was mirroring the sports world of parochialism, and mm. which I, I kind of surprised me in one respect that that came through. Um, but didn't in another in another one. I still don't know how I entirely feel about you know one of the worst aspects of working in sports is that kind of 
it's that kind of um, <laughs> parochialism. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it was interesting. And, you know, what I, I guess I reconciled with is that, you know, it does come down to passion, right? There's a loves for people, you know, yeah. this is what people hold so close to their heart, understandably. Mm. And, you know, you wanted to see your book, your author progress through or even yeah. make the field. So, yeah, I thought that was one of the cool things to really come out of it as well. Yeah, I love the passion that came out here. So I think maybe this is a good way to go into one of the absolute stories of the comp. I think Trieste by Dasha Dreamvik was just the my favourite story out of the comp because it just set up a lot of passion and her rivalry, especially with Virginia Woolf, um, just came through, especially towards the end. So I thought that was just a really a great part of the competition. What did you think? Yeah, in terms of... I think with Ash's work as well, from 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 what I've read, it's you know entirely different as well from what the field was also bringing forth to the table at the mm. same time. Again, modernist work, which for the most part wasn't reflective of the entire format uh, from the entire draw. Um, woman, obviously as well. Translation. I think we only had four or five translated works. Yeah, there weren't many. There weren't many, and this was one that was making a lot of noise. Definitely, probably the the the, the book that got the furthest, right? That reached yeah. furthest as a translated work, yeah. along with what, Borges was also in the quarters, right? So yeah, Hoyer's made the quarters, yeah. Okay. He did. And where did how far did Bolaño get? Bolaño got knocked out, I think, in the second round or or in the quarters. We'll have to check that. But okay. Yeah, he didn't go as far as I thought he would. I really thought he'd go far, but I think he came up. Uh, against a few really challenging people. Yeah. I think he came up against Underworld and then, yeah, I think he got knocked out the following round. So just a, yeah, challenging draw for for, for poor Roberto. But Exactly, um, exactly, which was really tough. But I think he probably had, I reckon he would have won the consensus vote, right? If mm. you're asking everybody, like, you know, full respect across the board um, yeah. and, yeah, an early exit, but, hey. Exactly. No, there's there's always next year, you know. There yeah. is. I was going to say early exit from the world, early exit from the World Cup of Books, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. It's one of those things, I think, with uh, with sport in general, it does depend who you come up against. And in, in his case, maybe it was just a bit, you know, he got the unluck of the draw. Let's have a look at Ulysses. Uh, he had a bit of a tougher run into the, into the finals. He played uh, Kurt Vonnegut for Slaughterhouse-Five in round one. He won one pretty easily. Then uh, Underworld, I think he came up against Underworld and um, it was a pretty pretty good victory there as well. And then in the quarters, Gravity's Rainbow versus uh, Ulysses. I thought this was one of the matches of the tournament. I was, I was firmly on the side of, of Gravity's Rainbow, to be honest, uh, because I'm completely biased in this in this sense. But, um, yeah, Ulysses pulled through. And then in the semis to the Lighthouse, which I thought was so great for this book, To the Lighthouse, to get in there, because yes. I think that To the Lighthouse, again, was like it's a female writer. It's a different kind of book, I think, to a lot of the other books in there. It is modernist, but it's it's um, certainly not postmodern in any way. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see it get so far and, and do so well. But it is a beautiful, beautiful book. And actually this tournament 
gave me the impetus to to reread it over the weekend and it's yeah, like it just it's just a fantastic book I was also talking of trends and stats and everything like that something interesting about that particular semi Ben was this was a clash of two Aquarians Joyce versus <laughs> Wolf <laughs> <laughs> which is just you know just in terms of the stats and stuff like that to throw them yeah. out there yeah um which are yeah which is a, an interesting little rig, wrinkle yeah i know you put together quite a few uh little stats about the tournament in general do you want to run through some of those yeah well we're looking at this is just before we had a couple of those late entrances so at that stage we had 27 sort of uh contenders in our field before the last five entered yeah. we had eight that were still alive so i thought that was a somewhat interesting as well yeah but, um i guess helen dewitt made it <laughs> made it eight as a late as a, as a made, that's made right it she came a, in late yeah as a late entrance yeah and at that stage yeah no at that stage she grew was in the field at that that stage as well we had just five of the 27 contenders were women yeah um, I'm not sure whether Virginia Woolf was in the field at that point, and certainly Helen wasn't either. So that would be seven. But still, we're talking minuscule numbers there. You know, yeah, exactly. Of the 27 contenders in the field at that stage, 25 were born in the Northern Hemisphere. So at that point, um, Bologna and Murnane were our only Southern Hemisphere contenders but then we had borgers coming in very very late into the piece yeah i was surprised we didn't have it more south americans because i thought marquez might make a mark in the competition um even people like andres neumann who i'm interviewing this week i think he's somebody who is a future contender because i think once his work is out there he should be in there clarissa lespector as you said i think she was basically she was scratching at the door i reckon she was probably number 34 in my list of people uh, to include in the comp. And I would love to include her. Um, but, yeah, I think she will be a huge contender, like, in the next couple of years. I would have I would have loved to see Cesar Ida somewhere in here as well. Like, yeah. he's one of my favourite writers. Oh, he's great, questions. isn't he? Yeah. And I would have thought as well, possibly would have, would have had a bit of Julio Cortazar. In, Good point. Good point. In, in, in there somewhere yeah um interestingly as well someone who keeps popping up on the radar and possibly because of the dustin pot as well mm. um is hilda hilda hurst hilda hilst who's also translated by uh, benjamin moser moser yeah well. yeah so this is a name that this is really coming in strongly as well i know mm. there's also uh, forgive me for forgetting and i know you were really keen on it yourself as a uruguayan novel that you recently completed that's right yeah that's the um the luminous novel by mario Lavrero. So, that's right yeah he came up a few times as well but i think he's only he's only got one real work out in english at the moment as far as okay. i know and uh yeah i think we he was definitely i think he he will be a contender in the future i think once they start releasing more of his work i think he'll definitely be in the comp this is a, yeah, obviously that's a, a massive factor with this. Another aspect from this poll that came through was we only had at that stage, and I think that continued through, only three pre-1900 novels on mm. the list, which is Moby Dick, Pride and Prejudice and Middlemarch. And look Correct what's happened. Wrong, well, Jane Eyre was, was there as well. Okay. Yeah. So, 
again, very minimal participation there, which mm. then would speak to we've had eight, eight novels published since the fall of the Berlin Wall. Interesting. So, so 2266, Tress, Underworld, Infinite Jest, Explosive, The Naked Singularity, The Unconsolidated, and Last Samurai. Yeah. So that kind of also, I guess it did and it didn't surprise me that it's also probably, I think, one of the most exciting things that this is a recognition that, you know, great, great books, World Cup worthy books are making the list and exciting people and inspiring writers out there. Um, I thought that was a really encouraging aspect. Mm. Yeah, it, it's quite, when you look through it, it's quite a diverse list, I think. Um, there's quite a lot of different things in there. Like Moby Dick, obviously, we, we've already said he was a favourite from, from round one. And he, you know, was one of those writers who was, like, clearly not a 20th century writer. And we do have a, a majority of 20th century writers in there. But I think it's nice to see, you know, we've got three centuries represented in this mm. comp. Yeah, and a, and, a, and a massive range of styles and themes and came through. And of these, of these, of, of the newer novels, we are getting a better gender representation as well. We'll throw that out there as well. Yeah. Um, which is also really exciting. I was going to say, Ben, on the American question, were there any American US writers um, that you were surprised didn't gain representation here was there any names that stuck out for you oh for sure there were quite a few because i think like as a as a jewish person growing up uh you know in sydney people like roth and mailer and um bello people like that were extremely important to me and um and you know even when you go to those other u.s canonical authors of 20th century like updike um we don't have representation of those people. So I was Malamud, a bit surprised Malamud about Malamud that. As well. Malamud yeah. as well, yeah. Bernard, another, another you know, yeah, great well, Jewish writer. As well. Yeah, like we did, I think we didn't have many of those writers who were really those um, massive 20th century writers. And I think those are the people who I I found that were lacking in, in this particular comp. I would have loved to have seen a, a Roth book. We almost had a Roth book in, um, Pips at the Post. But yeah, um, Sabbath Theatre was it? That- well, we had a few on the list. We had um, we had the uh, plot against America, and yeah. I think we had one other one on there. But unfortunately, just because of numbers, we weren't able to include him. But yeah, he was very very close. But again, like I think that like Updike is somebody who I love, um, and Bello, I think is one of the great writers of the 20th century, I think, in terms of prose styling. So I think we did miss a lot of those uh, really great 20th century American writers. And there's there's quite a few of them that were missing. Uh, Faulkner obviously was missing as well. I can kind of understand that because I think he's, uh, I don't think he has aged as well in some of his work. And so I think his work doesn't speak to the crowd we're talking to quite as much as maybe it did in other years. Um, also Mailer by that extent, like I don't think Mailer is somebody who as a personality, he comes up as much anymore. Hemingway was another one who I think we had two Hemingway books mentioned on the show, but he didn't quite make the cut either. And Hemingway is somebody who I think um, when I did the stats 
more recently, he probably would have made the comp. So I think Hemingway, Roth, and possibly Mailer, I think will feature heavily in the future. I think I think Tony Morrison as well will be one we'll see yeah. um, having better bids. Yeah, I think he's got a World Cup in her. Yeah, a matter of time. The the other thing again is the, the push and pull effect of this particular World Cup and, and this particular season of authors that you interviewed was the maximalist idea. Um, yeah. Notion. So I think this this probably affected the likes of Alice Munro. Alice Munro as an example, mm. right? Like we we're talking North America. Yeah. Um, and, and missing out on a gig. Yeah. In, in that respect, Lydia Davis as well would be someone who pops pops to mind. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it, it, I think this could be so seasonal based, right? <laughs> like yeah. It's the nature of the, yeah. Exactly. You had on board. The merit of this competition is it's egalitarianism because we're not taking this in any, like this is purely something that we've done based on stats, based on, uh, based on numbers and based on people's views. And there's no politics involved there's no gender issues involved we can completely put all that aside it is based on merit but it's also based on the fact that people love these books and people are passionate about these books which i i think is just so cool but i I, yeah it's that yes that's cool but i think um that that notion of god i've got to go out and read so much more or discover you know like i remember when we were first talking and as we've all got you know certain holes (laughs) in our um black blank spots in our sort of reading history if you like but you know things like pinchon who you know the sort of the depth and the i know your obsession (laughs) there with him it's like okay he's someone that we can't i can't hide any (laughs) any longer from him yeah that's gonna have to be taken on so yeah i'm going to have to post a picture of the number of books i bought as a result of this podcast because because i don't think there's been one episode that i've done where i haven't bought at least one book most of the time it's been more so uh if you add that up over the course of this season that's a lot of books 100 <laughs> percent. i think that was this was that was the overwhelming aspect for the listeners as well. It's like, oh God, you know, forgetting the the, the black holes. It's also the the dance into the wallet and stuff like that. Yeah, incur so a free exactly. podcast nominally. But <laughs> that's right. Uh, I don't ask you to subscribe or anything like that, but right. I do ask you to buy people's books because, like, even if it's uh, just implied, yeah, you probably will. We're almost ready to wrap this up because I think our poll is finished. I think we're ready to announce the winner. Are you ready, James? I am. I am. Right. I haven't looked at this for a while, but I think we are finished. Okay. The final results of the World Cup for Books for 2021 are Ulysses, 48.7%. And the winner of the inaugural World Cup of Books is Moby Dick on 51.3%. Well done to Moby Dick. Wow, what a winner. Yeah, party at sea. (laughs) 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 Raucous, whereas, you know, I guess the Irish are used to celebrating regardless. Um, That's right. They'll be awake at my house for Ulysses. Um, I'm starting that right now. Um, Cheers, James. (laughs) 
<laughs> now that we've done the final announcement, who did you vote for? I, I voted for Joyce. Okay. Um, Let's wrap this up for the World Cup of Books 2021. James, thank you so much for joining me. Um, could you tell us where people can go and seek out Stats Insider? Yeah, well, we're at, at Stats Insider. Um, so you can find us there and we're doing all sorts of projections we project sports that's our thing and we also have a strong content arm as well where we do a lot of sports writing looking into the numbers of sports and the data and the trends and those kind of things so it's really cool so if that's your thing check us out (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you very much james and that is it for the world cup of books 2021 congratulations to moby dick commiserations to ulysses We'll be back for the World Cup of Books in 2022. See you then.